Hello, my name is Daniel Kelly and this is May Contain, the podcast breaking the stigma of what it's really like living with a severe food allergy. I have lived with a peanut allergy since I was five, so I'll be talking about the different situations I've come across over the last 20 years living with food allergy, whether that's dating, going out with your friends, living abroad, hopefully give you guys like a really good insight into what it's like living with a food allergy. Hello and welcome to another Make Contain episode. I'm super excited today because I'm joined by Rosie and she was on the great British Bake Off and got all the way to the semi-finals, um, which was absolutely incredible. And I thought it'd be amazing to get her on because she's recently spoke about her nut allergy online and how the show kind of like handled it and catered it. So yeah, thank you for coming on the Make Contain podcast today. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Hey, really excited to be here. And... Thank you. I know your schedule has just been so, so busy, um, obviously on Facebook and like you've recently just come up to Facebook now. And so, yeah, thank you for taking this time. Before I kind of like jump straight into like the Great British Bake Off and your experience, um, how was like you like growing up with an allergy in terms of like your childhood? Like how old was you when you found out about your allergy? Uh, I was five. Sorry. I was five when I was diagnosed. Um, I'd been eating nuts perfectly happily up until that point. Um, and then, yeah, at a cheesecake with nuts in the base, a family event. Um, and I think the first line was I was really hyperactive, so I was just in trouble. And everyone was telling me to shut up and go and sit down. Um, and then started coughing. And again, they thought I got myself so worked up, but I was coughing. And yeah, then my entire face started swelling up and they realized something was seriously wrong. Um, yes, yeah, so that was when I was five. Um, so I went into hospital, um, had, you know, in full anaphylaxis by the end. And yeah, was diagnosed from there. Was it like quite scary, like not knowing initially when you have these reactions? Or was, or was your parents like a bit like worried, like not knowing what it initially was? Um, yeah, I mean, I imagine they were absolutely terrified. Um, I know they drove at speed to hospital, you know, at the time, but I, I don't really remember a lot of it. I think I was in and out of consciousness. So all I really remember was being in the back of the car, being quite sick, and then coming in and out of consciousness with someone trying to jab something in the back of my hand is all I really remember of it, to be perfectly honest. But. I know they were a lot more scared than I was. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. imagine it's like quite like scary yeah. from if it's your mother, child. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I know you 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 spoke online about your sister having an allergy as well. I mean, was that yeah. after you or was that before you? About when she yeah. found out about her allergy? No, she was. Um, she's about five years younger than me, and she was probably about five or six when she was diagnosed. So that was a hell of a lot scarier than mine. Um, so when it's your little sister, um, yeah. and she she just eaten a bag of offcuts from a chocolate factory that said may contain traces. Um, which we let her have because, you know, she'd shown no signs of allergy. Um, and yeah, that was terrifying, racing to hospital with her. And she's asthmatic as well. So hers was sort of worse. See, I can imagine being like asthmatic as well. And that like, it just kind of makes it even more serious. So I could like lead it on, you know, if mm. you have an allergic reaction. Her was just, that was awful. Right, really scary. But yeah. And it makes you take it more seriously because I was not sort of lapsed about things, but I'd had the one reaction. That was it. You know, I was careful about reading things most of the time, but you're like, oh yeah, that was the thing that happened once. And then actually seeing it and seeing somebody having a reaction like that, you're like, oh, oh. When you, you see know, that like sort of a reality check. Time, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was, I need to be careful now sort of thing. But, yeah, that was not a good day. Did you find, like, going through school, like, obviously in the, in the, in the 90s as well, wasn't that common? I, mem- I remember like, I was, like, being, like, the only kid in school with, like, mm-hmm. analogy. Was that the same for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I spoke in my, my anaphylaxis article about um, having to wear a sign saying do not feed 
in the chocolate factory, which was gutting because they mm. handed out Cadbury chocolate buttons at the end, which obviously, you know, we can eat. They're yeah, safe. Like they're not free. Yeah. And I was bouncing. I was like, I can have those. I can have those. And they're like, no, no, we can't give them to you. I was like, but they're safe. I can have them. But, but no, just no, <laughs> no, like, no, we can't feed you. That was gutting. Oh. And then I went, you know, we, had, we went to the shop and I bought some you know, chocolate that I knew was safe. You know, I was about nine or 10 at the time and yeah. I could read. I knew it was fine. And it was confiscated off me after I bought it in the shop. Oh, that was my chance. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a gutting school trip. So you have to like oh, yeah. sneak chocolate into your like, backpack, like Ooh. so you didn't get caught out. Yeah, I think my mum gave me some sneaky stuff to take so I wouldn't be left out. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, my parents are great. Um, but yeah, no, I was definitely the only kid at school. Even when I went to senior school, their way of sort of flagging it up was to put a giant picture of me up in the kitchen and also in all the main corridors. So when you're starting at senior school... No, really? As the frightened 11-year-old, when no one knows, you're like, oh, you're the kid on the wall. You're like, yep, yep, that's me. on the wall. Yeah. That's like Askins get picked on though. Yeah, I imagine it's like, like that it's, one, bully that if, one. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, like, imagine being that kid or like, it, it looks like from a, I imagine if you teach it, it's like kids are going to be like, kids yeah. can be harsh as well. Like. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a star next to my name in the register and obviously they didn't all sort of know what it was. And um, I remember in a technology lesson, they wouldn't let me use the jigsaw because there was a star next to my name. And they didn't know what the star was. And I was like, I'm allergic to nuts. I can use machines. But they didn't know why there was a star. And so even just stupid things like that. But no, there were times that like in primary school, um, I thought it was great because I didn't have the worry of cross-contamination because I didn't understand as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were still serving cakes with nuts in because back in the 90s, yeah, you know, you did yeah. in schools, nuts were healthy. Um, so I thought it was great when they had that because I got a chalk ice. So I was winning. <laughs> but yeah, in hindsight, the danger that they'd have that in the kitchen. Yeah. But at the time, I thought it was fantastic. It's, it's mad because I remember like, did you bring your packed lunches, like from, or did you actually eat in the canteen? No, I remember we had to being have school dinner. Oh really? In pri- primary school, this was. Oh, okay. Yeah. In secondary school, when you just when when you do get a bit older yeah. and you're in high school, did you end up them just bringing your own packed lunch? Yeah. Just because it's so much easier. So much easier. No keys, literally just like. Nope. Straight to the point. Obviously, gone through school, and was you always into like baking was you always like the first one at like food tech and be like mate baking I was at something what happened a bit later on in life yeah I think I was probably about five when I started baking five six I mean my parents used to have a nightmare because I'd be in the kitchen oven on mixing stuff up and they're like do not open that oven so I used to think it was awful that I wasn't allowed to do that bit um but yeah I was baking sort of when I was a little kid and then got to school you know sort of senior school this was and started cooking lessons and I think the teacher must have hated me because we made fruit salad then salad then tomato soup from tin tomatoes. I was getting so stroppy. Yeah. I was like, this is, re- I want to bake. I want yeah, to make things. This, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was the brat. So I was like, I want to properly make things. And then I'll sort of, we have free choice, you know, at the end of the first term and everyone made fairy cakes or brownies. I was like, I'm making a pancake cannelloni with a white sauce and da 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 da. I was like, I am that kid. <laughs> so yeah, I think they hate me. a bit me. smug about that. You're like, what were they cooking? Like fairy cakes? Like <laughs> well, if you're already the kid with the photo up in the corridor, you might as well just go with it. Yeah, <laughs> Do go with what the you floor, want. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. So has it always been like a very much passion? Did you say, with that passion, would you say it was come from your, your parents or your grandparents or is it something you've, you've kind of found yourself? Um, something I just did myself, really. Um, both of my grandmothers baked, but they were quite a lot older. So by the time I was sort of an age when they could teach me, they were, you know, sort of a lot older and not really sort of doing it anymore. Yeah. Um, my poor mother hates baking. I make her bake once a year. She has to make my birthday cake. <laughs> That's the only time I make her bake. Um, yeah, other than that, she just puts up with me trashing her kitchen, like I've been doing this week. Um, but yeah, no, it was just something that I just decided to do. They bought me a baking book, my parents, when I was about five, and I think they've progressed it ever since. That's amazing. It's amazing, though, like, at such a young age, like, you, you find out what that passion is, because yeah. some people can go through, like, the whole life and not really finding what it is their calling is or what, what it is they're passionate about. 
true. But then I think the allergy sort of pushed me a bit because you couldn't eat any bakery things. Like nothing was safe. Like, you know, you couldn't have donuts or muffins or anything like that. None of them. Mm. There was nothing that was safe. So if I wanted to try something, I made it. Do it yourself. Or you'd see someone eating something, I want one of those. Yeah. So then you'd work out how to make it. I mean, admittedly, they were pretty bad at that age. <laughs> I wanted to make a bigger cake, so I put a whole tub of baking powder in it and went, that'll make a bigger cake. I think I made my poor father eat that one, but yeah. Poor <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, because I would have just like avoided it and probably gone through life like, no, I don't remember the last time I had a donut, to be honest. So it's amazing that you kind of took that upon yourself. It's like, you know what? I'm going to make a cake. Like, when, when you're not cooking, you was a full-time vet as well. Was that something you used? Yeah always like very much passionate about like with with animals is that something you've always kind of like grew up around or yeah yeah um I grew up with animals sort of everywhere I mean I was running over the dog with my baby walker stacking all my toys sort of on the dog napping on the dog poor dog um but yeah we had sort of five or six cats and two dogs when I was born and yeah just acquired animals from there um so yeah, I mean, I've always loved animals. That's sort of always been my main thing. And if I was allergic to animals, that would be so much worse than being allergic to nuts. Like, that would be hard work. You'd um, be taking like yeah. antihistamine like, every day. Like. Yeah, it would be like, right, i just got to deal with this somehow. Yeah. But no, yeah, I've, I've always loved animals. So yeah, that was sort of always a, a given. I mean, I wanted to be a pony. And then when I reached the age of about three and realised I couldn't actually be a pony <laughs> when I grew up, you know, I sort of thought of the next best thing. Is that when you have to change your, your plans then? When you realise you can be a pony? That's it was awful. Fine, I was going to yeah. be a pink pony. It was going to be great. Yeah. But yeah, that didn't work out. So yeah, I went for plan B. Yeah. Got other plans there. <laughs> did you study to be a vet then at university when, when, when you was there? Was it something you did at college or was it something you kind of like fell into at university when you decided to be a vet? Um, yeah, I mean, I... I knew I wanted to be a vet from, you know, sort of 12, 13. Um, so I sat myself up to do it. And then, yeah, studied for six years at Cambridge. Um, yeah. And that was about the only time that I wasn't baking because I went to what was the all-boys college. Oh, uh, really? quite recently. So we had a kettle and a microwave. Yeah. That was our cooking <laughs> facility. So you, that's a challenge. Did that's you find that at university quite hard with your allergy in, in terms of, like, making other people aware about your allergy when you're in, like, shared accommodation? Yeah. Um, I wasn't... I wasn't good at it at that age. I hated it, and I hated sort of being difficult and stop about it. So if someone had had something nutty in the microwave, I'd say, oh, well, I won't use the microwave this term, rather than sort of talking to people. Oh, really? Um, which, you know, now, we're just like, right, no, putting a sign on it, saying it. But no, back then, when you're sort of 18, and you don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, going off to university was challenging. Um, I mean, sort of our first, first night, they took us out sort of for a meal, and you could go for curry or pizza. So I obviously went in the pizza group, because it would be safer. I don't think I told them in the restaurant that I had an allergy. I just sort of really? went with it and then just sort of picked it a bit of the edge of the pizza. And yeah, um, but you do at that age because you're meeting people for the first time. You don't want to be that person when you don't know them yet. Well, you kind of taken on that responsibility as well. Like mm. Obviously, your parents have kind of worked after you up until the yeah. age of like 18. And then you, you move to university and you literally got to defend for yourself in that yeah. sense and make sure that you are, you are quite vocal about it. Yeah, which you get better at. When you get older, I mean, now you can get less. You're right. Is it not free? Are you sure? Can you double check again? Can I speak to somebody absolutely certain? Right. Okay. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Sort of thing. But at that age, you know, you don't want to. Yeah. You're embarrassed and you think everyone's going to judge you. But yeah, now. No, I just like. Now I was like, right. Because <laughs> like, now I'm always like trying to say to people, like, be vocal. Because a lot of time, like, mm. people are like quite understanding as well. And the isn't, I think y- you can kind of like build it up in your head and like build it up to a point where you're not going to say something but a lot of times like you kind of mention it and people are oh yeah like well you know it's around you kind of thing. yeah yeah and I mean I think 
now people going off to university are in a group of people where there, there will be multiple allergies and things. But again, because it wasn't usual, you know, when I was a child, people, again, weren't used to it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we used to have things like in college, we had bops, they're still called bops because it's Cambridge and okay. yeah, um, where you just have a giant thing of, you know, punch where they chuck whatever in it and everyone okay, would just scoop yeah, it yeah. out with their glasses continually, which is obviously a massive contamination risk. But at the time, you don't even think about it. What sort of at the time. I, I, went, so yeah. I went to Huddersfield University mm. and I think we called it, um, like a dirty pint or we, um, you used to play like, a car game. Yes. Where um, yeah. Ring of Fire was called. Yeah, and then you had the King and Cup. And we all like pour it in. And I remember like like you said in like the first and second year, you don't even really like question it. And yeah, you take a swig of it if it falls to mm. you. But I think like, I remember... That was one thing I didn't yeah. do. Because if some, because people were putting whatever they had in it and some people, you know, at that point, someone would have an amaretto Absolutely, or something they'd be putting yeah. it in there. So that got me out of doing that one, which was actually quite good because when, you know, it's a pretty disgusting yeah. concoction by the end. Although the rule did become, it's like, well, you can drink a bottle of wine then. Which was oh, right. like, well, it's safe. You're going to get junky either way then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't die. Yeah. So, you know, take that. Because I, I was thinking this the other day, you know, when you play like games like beer pong at mm. university and stuff, and like you said, people put almond or amaretto mm. in, in the drinks. Like, you don't even like question it, but I think to anyone going to university now, like you have yeah. to definitely be vocal about it. The last thing you want is allergic reaction. Never mind. Why is he on the floor? Yeah. I mean, there were so many liberties I took and so many things that you just don't think about at the time, which now you're like, oh my God, did I do that sort of thing? Yeah. But yeah, hopefully people are a bit more clued up these days and will be a bit more sensible. Did you carry like your arsenal injector around with you at, at university? I did, but I didn't like it. And, you know, you had a tiny little night out bag, so I'd take one. Yeah. Um, and my old ones were smaller, so I used to take an out-of-date one with me because it was smaller and it used to fit in my bag. Smaller? Yeah, the, yeah. the old-style EpiPens. Is it the case was thinner or was it actually Yeah, it smaller? was in just a teeny thin plastic tube. Oh, you used to hate So it was that, only it? the size of it. The tubes were broken, so half the yeah, time was just a loose EpiPen. The um, tube used to like, break yeah. all the time on me. I remember it yeah. like, breaking on me. Like, oh, God. Like, I used to convince myself it was just going to go off and like stab me in the leg when it was in my bag. But yeah, but they were smaller. Yeah. So yeah, I used to carry one of those and that was it. Same. I used to carry one. But I think it's only kind of come to light over the last few years mm. that it's carry two. This yeah. wasn't a thing. like um, For me at university, they never used to say carry two up. Arsenal injector it was always like, I'll just carry one. Like. As long as you've got your EpiPen. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know when, I think it was the first time I went for a repeat prescription at university, they tried to give me one. And I was like, no, 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 I have two. I have two. And they said, no, no, use one, you call an ambulance. And that wasn't even the, I might need a second one. That was a, yeah, but I lose one. <laughs> that was my argument of having two at that point. I was like, but I have one in that bag and then one safe. Yeah, it's always best to. But yeah. But yeah, now I don't go anywhere without having two. I've on me at like, all times. I think I've got like four with me in my bag. <laughs> I don't okay, know that's, that's quite a lot, yeah. I don't Death know I've got so many. I'm quite, I'm quite bad sometimes. Like, I forget to get rid of my old ones and uh, I get them mixed up then. I'm like, oh God. I've got a drawer full of them because I never yeah. remember to go and get rid of them. I'm the and same, yeah. Them. You should, should like that. chuck them in a drawer because I'm like, yeah. is that the most up to date? Or is that an old one? But it's yep. funny, like my work colleague said today that he asked his like GP, like, can he get some more EpiPens? And there's like, oh yeah, you need to like, go back to the doctors rather than... Because usually you just send an email mm. and he's like, oh no, because like, I think the quantity being quite low now he's got to actually like prove that he's still yeah. got an allergy. So he was like, oh yeah. And it's like, uh, not okay, prove that he's got an allergy. So <laughs> he, he was saying like, just to double check that he's still got an allergy. And I was like, what? They're going to... I was a bit confused like where they're going to do like tests to prove... So how do you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not like he's outgrown mm. his allergy so he, he can't get more repens. Yeah, but I've never had that. I have had to go in for a nurse appointment to show me how to use an EpiPen yeah. when I was about 23. And I was like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. 
I don't I've know. Got it. I don't know if I got the story wrong now, but you were saying all oh, like you had to go in to just say that he's yeah, he's definitely got an algae, like I didn't have that, but yeah. I had to use a demo one into a cushion to prove that I could do it. I went, Yep. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> I've been showing people since I was five. You know, I had a demo one, which they I don't know if they still do, but they always yeah, yeah, yeah they gave you a demo one, one at the yeah. start. And I should share everyone how to I was in the playground going, This is how you stab me. <laughs> So yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I, I can, I can do this. I've got this. It's so important to have like the practice ones. I've always said like going to university, it's so mm-hmm. good to have one because it's so easy to show your friends because yeah. usually if you've got a real one, you're not going to take out its container and be like, well, this is how, you know what I mean? Like you're scared of like stabbing yourself. So yeah, yeah, it's always good to get a practice one. Do you think in the moment you would be confident using it? Because I'll be honest with you, like in the past, I've always been like slightly bit nervous about using it maybe when I was like 17 18 but I think now like after reading all these like stories online I feel like if I ever feel like my me, me throat is sweating mm. and I can't breathe then definitely use it yeah I mean I take antihistamines a lot like if I feel slightly nervous or you imagine like you know your mouth is tingling or your throat feels funny probably you've got a bit of a sore throat but you're at a restaurant I'm like periton 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 yeah. sort of thing um because obviously that's you know easy to do but yeah I mean I think I would, but then obviously it is scary also sort of seeing the effects of adrenaline because that in itself can be dangerous. So, yeah. And I mean, I think because I have obviously administered adrenaline, you know, to animals in emergency situations and you see what it does to them, that's sort of the thing that scares me most. So I probably would have to be just stab me, someone stab me, someone stab me. Why was it like when you do it to animals? Like, is it- it's the effect it has on sort of heart rate and things like that is yeah. pretty scary when you're sort of watching a monitor. So, oh, really? Yeah. Sometimes you sort of wish you didn't know <laughs> these yeah. things. But yeah. So regard, you mentioned your if you feel a bit on edge, like in your anxiety, you would take like, mm. your, your periton, and it's something I've kind of spoke about a little bit before. Where if, for example, <laughs> like if I feel like someone's eating nuts near me and I don't realise, and then I do like kind of mm. look, look over and I'm like, oh my god, like they're eating nuts near me, I'll take like my and I feel like my neck's getting itchy then and like, I, I start panicking. Is that something that affects you have with your anxiety with your allergy? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not affected by airborne particles apart from Brazil nuts. That's the only one that's my airborne one, you know, bizarrely. Um, okay. So yeah, if someone's eating nuts, I panic. If the case it, it's like, what nuts is it? What nuts is it? Are they Brazil nuts? Are they Brazil nuts? Is it a mixed bag? Yeah. So I throw myself off a tube before, at, when it was stationary, yeah. but literally was at the door when someone was eating it and it was like delayed and you're sat there and you're imagining sort of in my head almost stuck out the tube the window just going, oh my God, yeah. I can't breathe. It's like, I probably could breathe because I have my, you know, my neck jammed into yeah. a tube window. Um, so yeah, I sort of threw myself off all my friends in tow and they're like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, someone had Brazil nuts. <laughs> like, are you, do you feel okay? Yeah. So yeah. Can you breathe? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, right, okay. So we're just being dramatic with yeah. Yeah. I've had that before <laughs> on tube where I've like seen like someone eat nuts and like literally mm. just like jump up. I remember one time I was actually coming back from like the gym or something and um, a girl like literally opened this like peanut bar and like took a bite and you, you just smell mm. it. You smell it straight. Peanuts are the strongest one that you smell. Oh yeah. If someone's like eating on the offside of like, yeah. the meeting room, like you can smell it and like straight away I was like, is that peanut? She's like, yeah. And I was like, and like I just mm. couldn't be asked like moving seats as well. I was like, do, do you mind just like waiting until you get off? why I've got severe not allergy. She was, she was really understanding. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's quite scary when you can't move and like, it's yeah. a cram tube. Obviously, we, we spoke a little bit about like, your, your childhood and how you kind of got inspired into like, baking and like being a vet. So you was recently on the Great British Bake Off this summer um, and it, I was like really surprised when I found out you did have a nut allergy because I just imagine with these shows, like everyone doesn't have an allergy. So I was like really surprised. How did that 
kind of come about? Was that something you always interested in and you was like, I'm just going to go for it and see what happens? Yeah, um, I mean, I applied the year before as well. Um, oh, I had yeah. applied twice to the programme and then I wasn't going to apply again because I was sort of saying, well, you know, I didn't get on. If it was the allergy, there's no point in going for it again. And, you know, my husband's going, well, they probably just, you know, you probably just weren't good enough or they probably didn't like you. It wasn't the allergy, so thanks, thanks. Um, but yeah, so sort of he persuaded me to go for it again. And I did sort of thinking there's no point. So my application form was fairly sketchy at best. I was like, oh, there's no point in doing this. I'm just feeling this pointless, 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 was it pointless. Quite, was it quite detailed? It's a big form. It's a big form. Is it? Okay. Um, and basically in every answer um, for everything, um, I think I can talk about this because the form is online. Anyone can see it. Um, but it asks sort of, you know, what you make of these things. And, you know, biscuits. And I was like, for example, I don't make macarons, so I have a nut allergy. And then this, because I've got a nut allergy, because I've got an allergy, I thought I'm going to be upfront about it because what I don't want to do is nearly get on there and then go, oh, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was so, so upfront about it from the start. And yeah, they, they spoke to me a lot and they were checking what I'm happy with, what I can do, um, you know, about sort of the airborne thing. And obviously I said Brazil, that's the only thing, you know, that I wouldn't sort of be able to be there. And obviously the tent is well ventilated. Um, like literally the sides are open. You know, it's like like being outside. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they they worked out a way to have me there and made a lot of lot of provisions for it. And I'm ever so grateful for that. Do you remember where you were when you did get accepted to be on the show and how did you feel in that moment? Um, I was at work. Um, I just accepted um, a greyhound in to stitch up um, <laughs> sort of between consults. Um, and I'd had a load of missed calls and I was like, well, it's obviously a rejection. I'm just going to go and get this done with. It'll be on my mind. I'm just going to pop outside and I'll, I'll just phone the back and I'll just find out. And then I found out I got on and I was sort of bouncing around and I was sort of shaking outside. Oh and I was God. like, now I've got to go in that completely normal. So I sort of walked back in the nurses. You're, you're all right. I was like, yeah, yeah. Fine, so you fine. Could, you couldn't tell anyone? No. But they're like, you're acting weird. You're acting weird. What's wrong? What's wrong? Something's up. Something's up. I was like, oh, no, just really stressed. Home stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, that so, must be so yeah. hard. But the whole time, they, you know, even during filming, they, they thought they were trying to work out what on earth was going on with me. Because I was vanishing every weekend. I was being really evasive about things. I wasn't going to any social things. I was so just was being, every yeah. Every weekend for how many weeks? Nine for me. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, actually, ten because we all went back for the final anyway. So yeah, there were ten weeks in a row that I was away. Um, and because I work weekends, um, yeah, they were all quite suspicious. And that where you going? Uh, wedding. Like, where are you next weekend? Uh, wedding. And it got to the point where they're like, is she ill? Is she getting divorced? Is she having a breakdown? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so everyone's like trying to work out, but why is she going, yeah. why is she away every week? They didn't get like, it yeah. though. I was thinking like, but I always took baking in, but some really weird things like, you know, like the bread week ones. Yeah. I took in like a load of score bread and like, oh yeah, cool. She's made an elephant. No one sort of. Yeah, well, picked up that I was doing there. anything weird. So, you know, they're like, oh, she does that. So you could only tell, like, your husband and then... Mm, yeah. My parents I mean, and my sister knew, yeah. and that was it. And a couple of my friends, because they were my references. Um, yeah, so, which is quite good, actually, because through filming, obviously, each week, they want to know how you're doing. And the more people there are, the more pressure you sort of feel. Yeah. Sort of messaging them, and then you... Because they take... Like, when you get your phone back at the end of a filming weekend, and you've got these messages going, so, 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 are you through? Are you through? Are you through? Are you out? Do you, no. So you don't have a phone the whole weekend, right? No, no, which is actually, well, you do at night time, but no, it's actually really nice because it means that everyone isn't just glued to their phones the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. Trying to like catch up what everyone's doing. Like. Yeah, yeah, you actually talk to people, it's great, <laughs> rather than staring at your phone. But yeah, that's amazing, right? Um, so in regards to, you mentioned about your Brazil nut allergy, with that being the only one being mm. airborne, did they have to make sure there was definitely no like Brazil nuts in the tent yeah. at any point, like? Yeah, no, nobody had Brazil nuts. Um, and they made sure all the technicals were nut-free. 
Okay. Um, and even the ingredients used for the technicals were all sort of totally nut safe and stuff. And a lot of the ingredients, things I'd never heard of. Um, and so I was going, oh, I really want to taste this. You know, make sure I put enough spice. Because obviously you're not told how much to put in of things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to taste this. Is it all right? Sort of thing. And so I was sort of saying to the fruit producer, I was like, mm, can I try it? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. We've 100% checked everything. It's all totally safe for you. I'm like, okay. The one thing what like really, really surprised me was you had a nut runner. I just didn't know what this was. Like, could you explain to... To someone yeah. who's like never heard of a nut runner, like what a nut runner? Well, I don't think a nut runner's a thing. I so, don't think it existed before. So this isn't a job role yeah. you can apply for. Well, <laughs> right. apparently now. Um, but yeah, um, they employed a runner to only do my things. So my equipment was obviously washed separately and kept separately. Um, and sort of the bench wipe downs between challenges and things. Only he was allowed to do it. And through the challenges, you need more things. Like you're always going, I need a bowl, I need a bowl, I need a spoon. And, you know, people sort of get, you know, we'll get them yeah. for you. Um, but he was only getting mine. Um, so, yeah, I felt very, very privileged having my own runner. And, yeah, missed that when you get home. I was like, I need a... Oh. <laughs> so is this something you're going to take forward in your everyday life now? <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. I have your own runner. But, yeah, no, that was, that was just one of the things they did for me, which was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and he had a Game of Thrones themed T-shirt. He was the Lord Commander of the Nut Watch. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, he took his role very seriously. Took it very seriously. But, yeah, I think that's his first TV to. role. So, yeah, I, th I think he, he felt better about being nut runner as time went on. At the start, I think he's like, what am I doing? What's going on? Like? But, yeah. <laughs> he enjoyed it back right, But, yeah, everyone was joking, saying, you do realise when you're kicked out, he's fired. And wow. no one ever really knew if that was true or not. So the whole way through the series, oh, I was like, no. oh, but they wind me up. They're like, yeah, he'll be homeless. He'll be on the streets. He won't get dinner if you get kicked out. I was like, oh. Additional <laughs> yeah, pressure. I think they were joking. Like, I think. You I still think. You've got to stay on this show. Like, you, can't, you can't go out. I mean, you've done very well, like nine weeks. Like, I mean, it's like, absolutely incredible. Like, so was it quite emotional when it got to the semifinals and obviously like finding out about... I, mean, I don't know how to explain it, but was it... When was you it, got kicked out. Yeah, <laughs> when you got kicked out, how did you... Um, Great. Yeah, was it quite emotional? Uh, yeah. I mean, by that point, we were all completely exhausted. It was knackering. Um, so, yeah, you're sort of more emotional than you normally would be. Um, going out in the semi-final was rubbish, you know, because you're so so close to the final. But then, in a way, it's almost the best time to go if you're going to go, because we were all coming back for the final anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be a weekend of not sort of going and just sort of sitting at home being like, oh, they're Watch there and me. I'm not yeah, sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah, yeah, no, it, it was gutting, but, yeah, it was just great to have done as much as I did. Yeah. Is it, how did like the contestants kind of manage like when you mentioned your allergy did ever, was everyone aware about how serious allergies was and what was the relationship like with the other contestants um they were they were all really good actually um there were no nuts on set at all all the catering was completely nut free um and everything no one was allowed to even bring them not even the crew as snacks okay. um so everyone knew from the start but love productions didn't actually tell them who it was because they were worried that I'd feel, you know, sort of awkward or whatever. But that was me just going, it's me, me, it's me, it's me, hi, hi, me. <laughs> um, well, you know, because I had to be yeah. careful about things. Um, and then sort of, you know, with the hotels that we stayed in, they sorted it all out there. But everyone was great with it. Yeah. Um, the other bakers were all really good. Um, obviously, some of them were cooking with nuts. And then they sort of bring bakes around to try. But everyone knew not to sort of bring any of them sort of close to me. Um, yeah, they were all really good at it. I mean, some of them would sort of make jokes. Yeah, but in a nice way, yeah, sort yeah, of with yeah, the yeah. sort of Jamie, obviously was sort of yeah making fun of me <laughs> for it, it, you know, <laughs> any ammunition. But yeah, no, they they were all really really good with it, sort of the yeah. cast and the crew. That's amazing. Would you think you'll stay in touch with a few of them then after the show? Right? 
Oh yeah, yeah. We we stay in contact sort of all the time. We we meet up quite a lot. Um, obviously we're all together today, but yeah, we're sort of meeting up regularly. Yeah, no, that's amazing though. I imagine you do get quite close to like someone if you're spending like every weekend together for like ten weeks. Yeah, it's a lot of time, but also it's such a weird, unique experience that those are the only other people who get what you're going through. Um, sort of when you will meet at the start, because obviously everybody's been practicing at home, but you don't know who the other contestants are. So you've been at home sort of going through all of this and suddenly you meet 12 other people who've been doing the exact same thing. And it's like, oh, you get it. Um, And yeah, once you've sort of done that together, I think, yeah, a lot of people will be friends with. Was it quite hard work? I know you've, you've, I remember you you spoke online about your husband getting up at like 2am to get some like flour or eggs from the, from the shop. Was it, was it quite intense in that sense in terms of you just constantly practicing like? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I worked full time while I was doing it. So sort of long hours. I finish at half six, get home for seven. Some nights I was on call as well. So you go into practice and then you get called out anyway. Um, but yeah, so I was only practicing sort of at night time. Um, and if you're making something, it'll go wrong. I'm like, oh, I haven't got time to make this. I've only got time to do it tonight. And so my husband would drive and we're in rural Somerset. So wow. there aren't closed shops. So he'd do sort of like an hour's round trip to go and get me really obscure ingredients in the middle of the night. Wow. So yeah, I mean... Yeah, you need to have support if you're going to do it. You need to have a support network. Yeah, no, but yeah, amazing, my though. family and my husband were great. So, did you uh, do you feel like being a vet inspired you um, <laughs> cooking at any point on the show? <laughs> I did do a lot of animal themed things. I tried it. so hard to do things that weren't animally in some weeks. I was like, I must not do this for everything. Um, but that's just sort of the obvious thing to do. Like, you know, you want a theme for something, so that's the immediate thing that I think of because that is you know, sort of my life and, and what I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Was it, was the support amazing after the show in terms of like the people reaching out to you on like Twitter and our social media? Mm. Um, <laughs> mixed. Um, yeah, it's been really lovely. I've had lots of sort of people, when people found out about my allergy, which was only really after the show, there was one slight slip mention of it during the programme, which a couple of papers picked up on. But it was mostly sort of my letter afterwards that people sort of realised. And then I had lots of lovely messages um, from people sort of saying, you know, oh my goodness, I didn't realise you had an allergy. This is amazing. You know, thank you for representing us. This is great. And sort of, you know, mothers who sort of saying, oh my goodness, my child's just been diagnosed. I can't wait to follow you and see sort of recipes you do, you know, things that I can make. And that was, that was lovely. Um, but as with anything sort of in the public eye, you do get the other side of it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, from, for the last week that I was in the show, I went through hell on Twitter, um, and had so much abuse online. So that is the only thing I would say, if anyone's thinking about doing it, just bear in mind that there are unpleasant people and you need to be prepared for that. Was we talk about what was it was it about is it just just in general like just um, people just being nasty in general all sorts of things yeah. um i think because people loved henry so much when <laughs> he went out people turned on me but they were really you know getting really personal and it was really really horrible yeah. then when you start get pe- getting people saying that they want to kill you that they want to smash your face in you're like actually that's not very nice like i really don't like this um because it's stuff like yeah. like if you're not in the public pie you probably don't really get experience any of that no. to the level which someone in the public eye does so uh, did you yeah. try not to look at the, the the messages or is it quite hard yeah I mean I didn't go searching sort of my name on Twitter I learned very quickly not to do that um but yeah um 
when people tag you in things or send you direct messages telling that you need to die, it's quite hard to ignore those ones. Um, but yeah, and then I think I had sort of a, a couple of weeks of being a bit fed up with that one. Um, but then when I went out, that coincided with everybody finding out about my allergy and I had sort of the whole allergy community reaching out to me. And actually that was a massive positive influx of people. Amazing, so yeah. that was really nice. And it's, it is a real community now. Oh, absolutely. I didn't, I didn't realize this until I, uh, I, I really started like blogging and, and, and doing my Instagram and stuff. And you realize such like, a strong community and everyone is like so supportive as well. Everyone's there to like help each other out. Yeah. And, because like everyone's everyone wants to achieve like the the same goal really of like raising awareness about allergies mm. and I think as a community as a whole like it's so strong and everyone's there for each other. Yeah, it's it's really lovely and sort of after the negativity, sort of always being inducted into that sort of world. So obviously I followed some people already anyway, um, but yeah, and all those messages like hundreds actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages coming through from people with allergies, which. I have just about managed to reply to everybody now, but that, that's how many there were and that's how, how lovely it was. So yeah, it's really nice. And to go, actually, if I've inspired one of these people to think, yeah, you know what, I can do it. You know, it's not holding me back. I'm going to go out and do whatever I want, you know, despite my allergy, then, you know, I've achieved something. Well, that's, I mean, that's like so inspiring that like, even if it's just like getting someone to be like vocal about their allergy or like just speaking yeah. up about it. And I think it's amazing for someone like yourself to be on the show and then actually talk about their allergy, someone in the public eye, because a lot of the time not many celebrities do kind of speak up about their allergy um, yeah. online. And it's not until you really, you've really got to like dig deep to find out who's got an allergy in the public eye. So it's amazing that you obviously you, you wrote the letter um, and the great bitch pick off obviously re- like shared it. And mm. yeah, I think it's amazing that you've, you've, you've been vocal about it. So yeah, I think that's incredible. Yeah. It's just a shame shame in a way it wasn't mentioned on the program because I did have a long chat with Paul and Prue about it on a couple of times and Paul was sort of asking me how it affects my life and things like that um but yeah a bit sad they didn't use that footage but oh that's yeah. a shame yeah yeah because I was sort of explaining things to them you know about what I can and can't do and stuff and they were quite interested I think people um, are like yeah. always like quite genuinely interested mm. if they don't really know like too much about it then it's quite interesting and I've always said to like definitely like younger people like because they're there's a massive thing like they're the most at risk, but they're the ones that usually do take the yeah. risk and don't speak about their allergy. But like people just are generally interested. Like, oh, what can you eat? Uh, where do you eat? So if if you're, I know that you used to at university. If so, this is going to be a bit off topic. But at university, your friends used to go to like Indians, mm. and then would you go there and not eat at yeah. all? Yeah, because you don't want to be left out. Because I mean, in Cambridge, yeah. I don't know if it's just a weird Cambridge thing, but we did things called swaps where you were in sort of drinking societies, which sounds awful, but it was just, you know, groups of people. <laughs> um, like, you know, the vet girls and then like the Natsuki boys oh, from yeah, another yeah, college yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just called them drinking societies, which is an old fashioned thing, but yeah, it sounds awful. Um, but yeah, and they would always be to these sort of classic curry places because it was really cheap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I go, I normally have to pay for the meal or they wouldn't let me sit there because it's that sort of place. So you go in, you pay for your meal, you drink the wine. Um, but yeah, I used to take... So you pay for a meal you don't eat? Yeah, because you don't want to be left out until you're still going. You, you just you sort of accept it at that age, yeah. whereas now I'd be like, no. Yeah, No, you know what? No. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, a change, it's a total change of mindset, I think, as you get a bit older, because yeah, when you're 18, 19, you just want to fit in. That's yeah. all you really care about. You don't, you don't want to be the weird one. You don't want to be the odd one. Whereas now it's like, 
I'm not dying. <laughs> Sod that, no, sort of thing. But yeah, I think at that age, it, it's just the fear of not fitting in and just being either the weird one or the, oh, I can't go, I'll meet you after the dinner sort of thing. Yeah, I never, I only ever had that when I went home, like they'd be like, I'm going to a curry. And I was, I was like, I'll just meet you after the curry for mm. a, a pint or whatever at the pub. Like, yeah. But it's funny, at, at uni, I, I think I didn't really just, <laughs> didn't really eat out that much. So. Um, so what do you have planned? So obviously you've, you've finished the show now and, and obviously you're very busy, like I imagine with the, with the press and running up and down the country. What's your, do you have any plans for the future? What does that kind of um, look like? <laughs> yeah, I've got plans, nothing sort of set in stone, um, but I'm working on lots of sort of allergen-free recipes, sort of all of them being multiple allergy-free Um because if you're baking for a group of people, the chances are these days at least somebody's got an allergy and probably more than one. So actually you will have to make something that is nut-free and egg-free or, you know, nut-free and vegan or gluten-free. So trying to do things that are sort of multiple allergy-free. Um, sorry, but trying to make them, trying to make simple recipes with simple ingredients. Because half the time you look at sort of allergy sort of recipes and you're like, I don't know what these things are. What's what are it, these yeah. things? Um, so yeah, trying to create a range of recipes, um, that are easy to make and with things that you can buy in a small supermarket. Yeah. So that anybody can do and are easy to, easy to follow. So that's, that's sort of the, the main focus going forwards, obviously with sort of projects within that. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's absolutely amazing. Um, just before we, we shoot off, you are saying like, Noah was super kind, but he's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> oh yeah. What, what was he like on the show? <laughs> um, He's exactly how he seems on TV. Um, oh, really? He is completely mad. Um, and he would just, he'd think of questions and just come literally bounding over like a small child going, and if I had a frog, and if my frog had this, you're like, <laughs> okay, okay, I've got three things burning, but okay, come on then, no, what's your problem with your frog? And he's saying things, and he's sort of like, can I just clarify, you don't actually have a frog because this is a really bad situation. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's theoretical. Um, but yeah, he's lovely. And even sort of between filming, he'd come and chat to you and sort of say things. And then... When I made my biscuit chicken, you know, we were sort of on our way back into the tent for judging. And he was like, well, yeah, smash that one. He was sort of so excited by it. And he gets really invested. Oh, so good. And then in that technical, the semi-final technical, when I made my shoe about 97 times, 12 actually, but, you know, it felt oh, like wow. it. Yeah, that's ridiculous anyway. I just got myself into a bit of a, little bit of a panic over that one. But he was getting stressed when I was getting stressed. And he was like, oh, no, can I help? I was like, no. That probably doesn't <laughs> help it when someone's getting stressed around you. like, what, what? That's when Sandy came and was like, right, I'm going to tidy your bench away because you don't eat any of these things now. So you can start again. Oh, nice. Go and get a breath of air and I'm going to make you a cup of tea. So, that's so they're so lovely. But yeah, they, they're really, and he's hilarious. Um, anything you say, he can sort of bounce off it. And yeah. I was sort of pushing him. I was getting weirder and weirder sort of with the things I was saying. <laughs> it became a game. Him, yeah. It was a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, and there were some things... Um, I imagine you're going to edit this bit out, but um, in the last week, he came up to me, sort of in between judging. I think they were on the way to judge Steph's. He sort of came up to me and said, I've just, I've just thought of something. And when, when, when you said he castrated a bull, uh, how, how does he go to the toilet? <laughs> so then, yeah, with poor Hollywood's help, I was explaining to Noel Fielding yeah. <laughs> how a bull can still go to the toilet. <laughs> so, yeah, I said, I'm sure you're going to cut that bit, but it was very funny at the time. <laughs> well, no, we will keep it in his <laughs> Just before we kind of, we're coming like near the end now of the podcast, would you say what was your favourite moment from the show? Is it, is, it, is it a moment which kind of like really <laughs> stood out to you? What was funny or like? 
Um, in week one, just before we started our first bake, when obviously we were all sort of really nervous, sort yeah. of really standing there, you didn't know what to expect. Sort of on first mornings, all standing there, not to do. It was absolutely freezing. So we're all shaking, partly from cold, and partly from being terrified. Yeah. Then Jamie was behind me, and suddenly there was just a oh oh. Just before the next sentence, you turn around and like, what have you done, Jamie? I was like, oh, I want, I want to, I wanted to warm my butter up a bit, so it wasn't so hard. I'm like right, so I put it on the warming drawer, right on full. There's just this puddle of butter exploding oh, everywhere. No. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that, that just broke the tension because we all just stood there and then everybody was just in hysterics because you were so wound up, it was a lot funnier than it normally oh, yeah, would yeah. be. Um, so yeah, we were all just in this group, just laughing hysterically at the butter. Priya was trying to sort of mop it up with one piece of paper towel. <laughs> and then, yeah, Jane was sort of saying, can I still use this butter or, or, or can I have some more? Do you want me to pay for it? Should I get some more or something? <laughs> so yeah, that, that broke the ice. And I think that was sort of everybody's sort of, yeah. That was our, our first moment, sort of bonding as a group. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I think we all need that one moment yeah. which like brings like everyone together yeah. and everyone everyone's feels clutching like a their unit. ventures yeah, yeah. sort of a dear life before we started, and then yeah. that just broke the ice. That, and, it just broke yeah. the ice. So yeah, that was nice. a good moment. Nice. Bless Jamie. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know your calendar and diary must be so so busy. So thank you for taking the moment to come on the podcast. And if anyone wants to find you online on Twitter on Instagram, do you have a what's your Instagram handle? Uh, just Rosie Brandreth. We'll find you. But yeah, there'll be plenty of allergy-free baking. Yeah. And yeah, thanks again for coming on the podcast. If you did like the podcast, make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you do get a chance to write me a review, it takes literally 30 seconds. If you can write me a review on iTunes and Spotify, that'd be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Thanks again. And thanks for listening to Make Contain. Bye.